We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Greg Olson, inviting you to check out my new Blue Wire podcast, TE1, where I interview tight ends throughout the history of the NFL who have helped revolutionize the position. TE1 is presented by the Chevy Silverado. The Silverado is all about grit. It's strong and dependable, exactly like playing tight end. Just like the incredible players we sit down with on the podcast, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. Strong, advanced, and dependable. Download TE1 today wherever you listen to podcasts. What's going on, folks? Welcome to another episode of Strike and Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. This week's episode is sponsored by Pepsi and Indeed. My name's Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for all of you guys. Joining me tonight is my co-host and former NFL defensive back, Eric Crocker. And in addition, in addition, I wouldn't say a special guest because he's the one that started this whole deal, but we are joined by Blue Wire creator, CEO, quarterback, King, I don't know. I'm running out of nicknames. Kevin Jones, what's up, man? Hey, I'm just happy to be on. We rarely do this, us three. It's typically, you know, through the draft or, you know, big event. This is week one, first NFL action so long. Croc, I'm pumped to be with you guys here. Not a good result to talk about, a 49ers week one loss. But I'm excited to be back podcasting. I haven't been on in a few months. It's almost been like I've been in a coma we signed yeah, it's, it's almost been like you're you're running a company or something. Yeah, no, but I'm I'm gonna be podcasting every every Sunday night uh with us three here. So you know, pumped to be talking ball, not as pumped to be diagnosing this loss and Jimmy G and all the woes, Rob, but I think we have a lot to talk about. Crocker, what's up, man? What's up, what's up? Yeah, man, uh <clears throat> tough game. Tough game to, you know, start the season, but I think we have some really good talk, talking points and, you know, definitely some things that can be, you know, improved for sure. Yeah, so if, if you're unaware, 
if for some reason you were off the planet for this NFL Sunday week one, um, the 49ers immediately have taken their first loss of the season, falling um, 24 to 20 to the Arizona Cardinals, uh, which in a matchup that was, I mean, there was spots all throughout the game, but it was pretty much decided in the fourth quarter. I believe the 49ers at the start of the fourth quarter were winning 13 to 10 and they ended up losing 24 to 20. So um, obviously dropping the ball when it counts most, but there are just so many different aspects that went into the result of this game. Now to get, to put it right out there, I always assumed this was going to be a dogfight, just like both of the games last year. The Cardinals were the worst team in the NFC last year. The 49ers were the best team in the NFC last year. And both games against the Cardinals were scraps. At the end of the season, the Cardinals beat the Seahawks. They were obviously game. And I assumed this was going to be a scrap. But I, I also assumed that the 49ers would find a way to come out on top, out on top of, of this deal. But but they didn't. But, I mean, my first reaction, and I guess we'll just roll through everybody's first reaction, is it was just a mess. You know, it looked like a team that has had one of the weirdest off seasons in recent memory that really just did not, in a lot of ways, did not know what they were doing. There were so many mistakes and so many miscues and so many busted coverages and bad throws and bad plays that it was just, you know, there were the, the Cardinals brought it. And between Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins, there was some obviously stellar play. But like I posted on Twitter, this still felt self-inflicted. Totally. You know, I think Jimmy Garoppolo is the main talking point coming out of the game. He played poorly. He did. Late in the fourth quarter, there was a throw to Kendrick Bourne that could have been made where he makes that throw. He's the hero, and it would have been, what, his eighth fourth quarter comeback. He was high and late on a lot of his throws. He did not find the rhythm. I felt like Kyle didn't call the best game offensively. The interior offensive line has some issues that are probably going to be tough to deal with all season <clears throat> Um, but you know, overall, I'm not going to overreact, but I do think the main storyline is Jimmy Garoppolo. You're going to have the fan base, which the team doesn't operate this way, but the fan base isn't happy right now with their quarterback and the way he's playing coming off the Super Bowl loss. And he, he wasn't the best in the fourth quarter of that game. I think it was three of 11 there. You you wanted him to kind of come out, start the season with an iron fist and say, hey, I'm shaking cobwebs off. Didn't happen. There was no preseason or anything to shake the cobwebs off. So, listen, my memory of him is last year and the Saints on the road and the Seahawks on the road. Like, I'm not forgetting about that, Jimmy G, like some 49ers fans are. People really are quick to forget some of the highs he's delivered this team. He was fifth in the league last year in touchdowns and completion percentage. Kyle will get there with him. There'll be some jitters and some bumps, but I think, you know, people are going to be debating his performance on Twitter and all the talk shows all week. Yeah. When I watched the game, I just looked at it like I expected it to be a game where, you know, guys aren't as sharp as they will be on both sides of the ball. You know, I I didn't think that Kyler Murray was necessarily sharp uh, throughout the game. Obviously he made enough plays with his feet to change the way, you know, that game you know, worked out for them. But, you know, as far as 49ers go on offense and defense, I was expecting the defense to show up a little more. But when when you don't have that one guy at cornerback that you feel, you know, confident with, it's hard to account for that running quarterback. You know, I heard Kevin talk about when the 49ers have had, you know, struggled 
for you know accounting for these scrambling quarterbacks, which a, a lot of teams do, right? They're, they're, they're tough. They're, they are really tough to defend because it's hard to account for the running quarterback. But when you have a cornerback that you feel like, you know what, I can line you up over here on Hopkins, and you're not going to shut him down, but you're going to make at least make life difficult for him. Now you can take a safety and spy the quarterback, and that would help limit the, the big runs that we saw Kyler have throughout the game that kept drives going and resulted in uh, personal fouls that extended drives and everything. So, Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I'll begin here just about Hopkins. 14 receptions was a career high. They were using him almost like a running play. They were The, the coverage I saw you tweet, Croc, it was soft. It was, it was soft, soft. On Hopkins, soft. And, and they exploited it, and there was enough plays. The Cardinals made enough plays to win. No one really came out and won the game, but the Cardinals made enough plays to win, and that's how I viewed it. I, I agree. Kyler didn't overly impress, but in the second half and really in the fourth quarter – they found the rhythm with DeAndre that Jimmy just couldn't find with anyone on offense for the 49ers. That was the difference. They couldn't go tit for tat. Yeah. And well, I know that's... a lot of people they're gonna they're gonna kind of dog Jimmy Garoppolo, which he should be. Like he he wasn't good. But you know, my one of my good friends, and I've said on the pod before, my good friend <clears throat> uh Derek Graves, he always tells me all quarterbacks suck, it's on the receiver to make them look good. And I felt like today. Obviously, you're missing Ayuk. You're missing Debo Samuel, right? Those are your guys. Those are your, those are your explosive guys. And when you have, uh, you know, Kendrick Bourne, Trent Taylor, and Pattis, you kind of lose that explosiveness, right? That threat of a guy that can go deep or catch a slant and take it all the way. So the the Arizona Cardinals they condensed their their uh their their defense, kept everything in front of them, knew that they don't have to be in a rush to get out, you know, back out. And they can kind of sit on routes. And that made life dif- difficult for the 49ers. In instances like that, you're going to need Jimmy to be sharper. And, and today he wasn't. But there was one play that sticks out to me, the underthrown pass that should have been a touchdown to Kendrick Bourne. Mm-hmm. But on that play, again, my like my boy says, all quarterbacks suck. It's on the receivers to make quarterback look good. When you have an underthrown ball like that, what you do is you need to stop, jump in the air, and now that that DB that's just running at you with his hands up, he ends up making contact with you before the ball gets there, and they call pass interference. Right, point. Uh, Kendrick Bourne didn't do that. He continued to drift and was waiting for the ball to fall into his hands. And with him doing that, now you you don't get that call. So that was one thing right there where, yeah, clearly terrible pass by Jimmy Garoppolo. But I thought Kendrick Bourne, he could have helped his quarterback out more right there. And the 49ers end up with the ball on the one-yard line. I know Rob's about to go here, but my two quick cents again is the two biggest plays of the game were Raheem Mostert to the house and then a big throw to use check. Right now, the 49ers don't have Debo and Ayuk, and I will have to watch the film and Croc will be the best at posting all this stuff, but I didn't see much separation either. Before everyone tees off on Jimmy G, let's go back and look. Was Trent Taylor getting open? Were these guys actually getting separation? It's so hard to tell from the TV copy. But from the initial glance, it wasn't like Jimmy G actually was missing wide open receivers often. You know, the, the concerning thing to me is, all right, let's get everyone back healthy at receiver, and then let's judge this guy at quarterback. Yeah, and, and like Crocker said, it was they, they knew that their the offense's primary threat when it came to anything in the air was George Kittle. And unless you're widening your line and George Kittle up outside for whatever reason, they can just condense the field and they can put these other receivers who are, you know, backups even on the 49ers and their backups on other teams. They can just 
play one man coverage against them and let everybody else kind of crowd the middle of the field. And I mean, even the safeties, they don't even have to play that far back because they're not worried about getting beat deep by any of these guys. So there just is not a lot of space and there's not a lot of room to make plays. And I'm really actually um, pretty angry at Crocker for just stealing my thunder on that Kendrick Bourne point, because I was going to say the exact same thing. I mean, it's just, look, the, then the problem with, with Twitter is, and with social media is there's never any, like, a lot of people fail to consider any minutia or details about any given thing. Really, these, the, the attitude is, nope, Jimmy G under through the pass. That's it. That's, everything's crap after that. And you don't even consider anything else, you know? And, and, and while there is some credence to that, like, I'm always going to be harder on receivers. I played receiver. I coach receivers. That's like my thing. And when I see a receiver standing in the end zone with his essentially flat footed with his hands out in front of him, like a basket waiting for the ball to fall into their arms. I'm going to lose my mind, whether they score or not. Like, because that is, that is like, you know, like, so like a form of burning the Bible in, in, as far as receivers go, you never just sit there and watch a ball. The only time you can do that is if that was like, if it's like a Marquise Goodwin throw from last year, I think against the, the Bucks or the Bengals where, you know, he's obviously just wide open and there's no one within, you know, whatever. But if Kendrick Bourne goes after that ball, he's either one catching it or two Peterson just goes flying into him and it's the easiest pass interference call they've ever called. So, you know, that's, it's easy for me to pick on him for that, but it's just, there's just one little tiny aspect of so many mistakes, you know, and I was, I was mentioning to you guys before we started recording, I felt like Shanahan kind of had an opportunity to establish kind of some aggression right there in the beginning of the game when it was fourth and one and, you know, they were on the Cardinals side of the field and he elects to go for like a 52 yard field goal and, and Robbie Gold makes it bless his heart. But to me, that's like, like, come on, man, like, like, let's go, let's get this moving. You know what I mean? Like, go for it. If you don't get it, you're on their side of the field and sure you'll get some flack for that. But like, to me, it's, it's all about momentum and, and tempo and, and kind of like, you know, putting your stamp on how this game's going to go. And right then, like, you know, and then they ended up going for it on fourth and one on the goal line, which is obvious, you know, but they didn't get that one either. And and, and it's, I, I don't blame the call on that one. When you're running behind Trent Williams, uh, Lakin Tomlinson and George Kittle, you expect to be able to get one yard of push, but they didn't. And, you know, there, that's just, there were just so many mistakes. And obviously Jimmy Garoppolo is going to take the brunt of this one. There was even on that last throw on fourth and five, um, you know, Jimmy went to his favorite target in Trent Taylor and Trent Taylor was open, but he wasn't open when Jimmy Garoppolo threw the ball. That was one of those plays where when Trent Taylor is planting his foot to make his break, that's when Jimmy Garoppolo should be throwing the football. Yeah. Instead, Jimmy Garoppolo looked at him, waited for him to come open through it. The throw was late and it was behind. The guy was able to break it up. Trent Taylor did everything he needed to do on that play. Jimmy Garoppolo just allowed the defender to be a factor. So, I mean, it was really – and the defense at the same time, they, they – Well, hold on, they hold, had, hold on, hold on. Let's talk yeah. about Jimmy G for a second. We're, yeah. we'll, we'll move to the defense. But I really think this is a coaching thing with Kyle. It feels like the heebie-jeebies with, with Jimmy is just knocking off some cobwebs. But he really was truly late and high on all the throws. I saw a couple of good tweets pointing this out. It felt like he was playing scared, like he didn't want to th- uh, throw an interception. Like he didn't want to make too quick of a decision. There's like almost like a pause uh, where, yeah, he, he's been late on these throws and that's been really the issue and, he, and he's missing high. 
that Kittle throw uh, close to the goal line where George Kittle almost got hurt. Kendrick Bourne did miss the block on the bubble screen, but yeah, there's a couple of throws that you can point out to where Jimmy looks closer to Matt Stafford and not, um, you know, an upper echelon quarterback today. And that that's okay. It's going to happen. And we'll just have to see how the season plays out. I'm not going to be able to deal with everyone crying on Twitter every week. Croc. I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to be able to deal with it for every single bad throw. Uh, uh, it, the, the, it, it was ridiculous. It, and I'm in some 49er like little group things, and, and then I'm my brother and one of my really good friends, Devin. Like they're they're cowboy fans, so I got a group chat with them going off talking, and it's just like I get it. He wasn't as sharp as you would like him to be, and but it's like one. Let's use some context here because I, I was at the same time as I was watching the 49ers game, I was also watching the the uh, the Saints and the and the Buccaneers, and Tom Brady wasn't sharp either. <laughs> like, like I watched all the games earlier. I was watching um, the the C, the Seahawks against Atlanta, and I was also watching uh, Red Zone at the same time. There were a lot of there was a lot of poor quarterback play around the league. A lot of guys with their timing off, missing throws, missing low. I mean, uh, Baker Mayfield looked terrible. I mean, like there were just a lot. There was a lot of bad quarterback play. And when you look at everyone and they're kind of struggling with a lot of the same things, except for like Russell Wilson, <laughs> uh, it's like, well, yeah, there, there was no preseason. There was no live reps. This is their first time actually going to get hit. So it, it wasn't as sharp. And I'm not making excuses for Jimmy G, but I will say around the league, I know there's poor, poor play from a lot of quarterbacks being missing guys. I mean, Kyler Murray across the way, same thing. Yeah. There were several times where he one-hopped passes out to the flats. Um, through other passes out of bounds and the receivers running down the field, like there were, you're going to see that around the league over the first couple of weeks because there was no preseason. Well, and it's and oh, just to to add some some more fuel to this here. Kendrick Bourne just tweeted that he that he needs to go up and attack the ball. <laughs> he he literally just tweeted that about a minute ago. The players said, are defending uh, Jimmy G. Like there's going to be some vocal people and columnists, I'm sure, attacking him. And the locker room this week will be a little different in the past because the 49ers have now the Super Bowl hangover. Da, 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 you're going to hear Skip Bayless and all these. Oh, yeah, rounds. of course. It, it's They're easy pickings right now. The 49ers, are. it's going to be very easy for that locker room to be a little down on themselves. I actually do like Bourne tweeting that right away. They're going to have to rally around each other, especially if they keep struggling to start the season which could easily happen they, they could be three and three and and still have a really tough schedule down the road but some of the teams we thought were going to be good in november december might not be it's the nfl it's going to be a weird season yeah the one quarterback who did play well crock was gardner Minshew today he was like perfect it's going to be a little bit of a random year and i the locker rooms that stick together the 49ers have a good locker room i think there there's not going to be finger pointing through the struggles and that will be important well, it's it's just a matter of of the fact that it you know it's it was a game that I guarantee you the 49ers, like Crocker said, he ex, they expected it to go like this. I guarantee you every bit of, of of everything this team talked about leading up to this match, they knew it was going to be a tough one because but both of them were tough last year, and I think the 49ers are going to look at this and say, look, this came down to the last play for us, and we made so many damn mistakes that it's it's not that they can feel good about it, not even a little bit, 
but they're going to be able to look at it and say, okay, look, this, this is something we should have won, but we decided to shoot ourselves in the foot multiple times. We'll fix it. We'll move on. And you know, I don't, I don't think this is one of those losses. It might provide some fodder for the media world. Like you're, like you're just saying, Kevin, but at the same time, I don't think this is a loss that is going to like damage the 49ers psyche whatsoever. They probably had a lot of respect for the Cardinals coming into this game. And now, you know, if you're going to try and glean a positive out of it, you're going to have a team that knows they're capable of a lot more. It's probably going to be a little pissed off and knows that they have to spend this week refining a lot of stuff unless they want to, like, repeat what they just did. And a lot of that will fall on Garoppolo, you know. Like, even defensively, who stood out? No one really stood out. I don't know. They're just going to have to come next week on top of their game. They weren't pressuring the quarterback. They weren't hitting as hard as they did last year defensively. They are going to look on tape, and they played a little soft. Yeah, I agree. you know, I agree. I was really disappointed. There were a couple guys I was disappointed with. You know, we just were talking about the offense. I'll say Dante Pettis because I always talk about opportunity. And this was a game where, you know, I talked about the receivers on the outside not being very explosive. And Pettis is the one that has that type of ability, and he was just non-existent. So I was disappointed with him on the offensive side, but on the defensive side, uh, D Ford, like where where was he all game? I saw I saw Nick Bosa. Obviously, he didn't get the sack, but I saw him everywhere. I saw him, uh, you know, really good pursuit plays. Uh, saw him getting in on tackles behind the line of scrimmage. He was grabbing at the quarterback's leg. Like, I just saw him forcing certain things. D Ford, I just saw him, like, spinning and, and running around. I'm like, what, what is this guy doing? So I was really – I was disappointed with, with D Ford on defense. Was it Sherman in coverage on Hopkins mostly? I, I don't want to misspeak. Nah. Yeah. They switched off. Yeah. But, you know, Croc brought up corner. It was obviously a huge strength last year with Mosley developing – but, you know, outside of Jimmy G, that's where I'm worried about next is are we going to have a little bit of a drop off because Mosley's not proven and Richard Sherman is just getting older. So if I'm so looking this for is, one unit to respond next week, I'm really looking for the corners to kind of step up. Yeah, so this is my – just kind of my perspective on it. The one thing that's tough is, one, obviously you're going against DeAndre Hopkins, who's really good, and just throw the ball in his area. And, you know, yeah, he's able to make plays. Uh, but the other thing is when you're playing a quarterback like Murray, it kind of messes up everything else around him, the pass rush. Until, unless you start scrambling, then you can luck into a sack. But it makes everybody have to be really vanilla, play kind of soft, and it's like, do we spy him and lose a guy in coverage or a rusher, or do we not spy him and then he breaks free? And it just kind of changes the way you have to cover a little bit. And I think that was a tough thing, especially when you don't have that guy. A lot of people made fun of the Rams – paying Jalen Ramsey all that money. But I bet you if you say, you know what, Jalen Ramsey, you go guard Hopkins and make life difficult for him, the the result of the game kind of changes because now you're able to free up a guy to spy the quarterback and do those type of things. So I think that was the struggles I saw today, especially on the back end. I don't think they'll have that issue week in and week out because they don't play as many scrambling quarterbacks this year as they did last year, uh, throwing Lamar Jackson in there as well. I, I think they'll be fine. But definitely, they're going to have to be able to rush the passer a little bit better. And again, it's hard. It's hard when you're rushing a guy like uh, Kyler Murray because you have to be so disciplined in your in your run lanes, uh, your pass rushing lanes. And the moment you get out of that, 
he takes off. You know, when you're playing a guy like Jones or, or Tim Darnold next week, you know, yeah, he can move around a little bit, but he's no Kyler Murray. So it kind of, I, I would expect them to tighten down a little bit on defense. All right. So before we, maybe, uh, maybe I'll force everybody to try and find some positives when we come back. But before we do that, we got to get, got to get some, some word in from our sponsors. And our first one is, is a big player here at Blue Wire. We've got, you know, football season will be different. And Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch this season. Look, this year, these last six months or so has been weird for everybody, especially 49ers fans. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi is made for football watching. And along with Pepsi, we've got Indeed. Oh, yeah. and even hey, I'm break. Shout out Pepsi, man. This is a big freaking deal. So <laughs> next time you're in your local supermarket debating whether it's Pepsi or Coke, we are team Pepsi. Well, Pepsi is Pepsi's clearly the answer. I mean, if if anybody was was out there thinking about this right now, like Pepsi's clearly the answer if you were, you know, whether they are a sponsor or not, which they are. But if you if you're a Coke person, I don't know what to tell you. Now talking about Indeed, I remember finding jobs off of indeed.com. I, I think it was my Cleveland Browns job. That I searched there. I had job alerts on for team reporter, and I ended up getting this job with the Browns. So, Rob, take you know, tell, take us through this ad read through Indeed. But I just wanted to shout them out personally as just an awesome brand who's literally helped my life. Well, I mean, even though sports had a nice long break there, your business probably didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed's here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay what you need, you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier. Like sponsored jobs, which are shown to, to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to give you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is the best offer, offer available anywhere. So go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. The terms and conditions apply. The offer is valid through September 30th. That's the end of this month. And we're back on the 49ers unfortunately for but <laughs> i say that I'm about but, to go on about indeed and pepsi why i haven't been podcasting at all is you know been closing these big deals so if you're running a small business please check out indeed.com even if you're not doing hr indeed.com slash blue wire helps us out we'd love them around next year as well but rob yes back to the misery of the 49 
Well, that's then that's kind of my point. That's kind of my segue is let's try and let's let's try and wade through this game and see if we can just find some players, some moments to highlight. I mean, the first person that I'm going to shout out because he's a friend of mine is Raheem Mostert, who after five years, six years in the league and being cut by six different teams today, although obviously 49ers fans are very accustomed to him making a huge impact, especially during the playoffs last year. But today was his very the very first start of his career. Despite all of his success last year, he never was the first running back out onto the field. And of course, a lot of you made that very, very vocal on Twitter. It got to a point where Raheem was doing so well that whenever he wasn't on the field, everybody was a little bit angry. And now, finally, you know, Raheem's got his chance to be the starring running back. And he know he didn't have a 200-plus four-touchdown game like he did in the, the NFC Championship, but he Raheem had 15 carries. The next closest running back behind him had four. He only managed 56 yards on the ground, which was about 3.7 yards a carry, which is nothing to write home about. But then you come down and you look at the receiving for the 49ers, and Raheem Mostert led the team with five catches. He was tied with Kittle for 95 yards and a touchdown. Now, obviously, that number is made a lot bigger by that 76-yarder in the first quarter. But, I mean, for Raheem to finally – you're talking about an undrafted free agent that had been cut by so many teams, and he finally finds a home with the 49ers, starts to flourish, has some problems negotiating his new contract, feels like requesting a trade is the best thing he can do for himself to, one, either move the negotiations along or find a new home. Things work out, and he gets his first start on the 49ers' first game of the season. I mean, it, like I said, it might have been a loss, but, I mean, that's still a Cinderella story if I've ever heard one. And I'm, and I'm super happy for the guy. He's, he's a very, 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 you know, he's an awesome dude. So I'm happy for him. No. And be, beyond that, I think the 49ers made the right decision because they could have probably traded him or, you know, just found a way to bench him and just ride this out until someone got hurt, paid him a little bit more, but I'm thinking they made the right decision here. He proved it with the big touchdown today. He's so explosive in space. I think it was only 15 carries for 56 yards, something like that on the ground. So the O-line has some work to do, but I believe he's one of the most explosive running backs in the league, really. And a, a matchup piece that Kyle will use. You saw Jet McKinnon get some time and Tevin, I think had a nice little burst run there at the end. But to me, Raheem Mostert is, is the guy here and he's a physical specimen. He's just more explosive than any of the other running backs. And I believe we'll have a big year. What do you think, Croc? You got, I mean, you could talk on Raheem, obviously you can talk on whatever you want to talk on, but is there any, is there anything else out there that just stood out as a positive for you? Yeah, I think that was a positive. I mean, it's weird though, because I saw Raheem Mostert rip off some nice runs. That was probably like his worst, well, one of his worst, like yards per carry, especially for him getting like 15 carries. You know, he averaged like a little bit over three yards a carry. That That's not Raheem Mostert that we're used to seeing. Usually he at least breaks off one big run. So I like to see him improve on that. But obviously I think he was terrific in the pass uh, catching game. Caught some uh, tough passes, especially, you know, beating Isaiah Simmons in the open field and then just outrunning everybody and, and scoring a touchdown. That was really big. I was really excited. Shoot, I mean, I had him on my FanDuel team. So, I mean, uh, not FanDuel, uh, DraftKings. <laughs> I, I put him on there. So I was excited about how he played. I thought he did well. Again, I, I really just think, it, man, it, it comes down to who's going to be the instant separator and, you know, be able to catch the ball. And I, I thought we didn't have, we were missing that 
today. And I thought that was two of eleven on third down. Terrible. Two of eleven on third. Down. That's and, the, to me. That's the stat of the game yeah, right there. Even further, even further, one of four in the red zone. They got one touchdown, uh, or no, one scoring opportunity in the red zone. You know, one for four in the red zone, and that has been an issue for Kyle. Really, we're going to point any criticism too. So some of those throws on third down, we'll have to go back and look why all nine didn't convert. Jimmy was short on a couple throws. It, it didn't look like many people were open. It was definitely not one of Kyle's best games either. Well, it's, I mean, it's just, yeah. I, I mean, I, I thought we were going to, I was going to try and keep us on the positives here, guys. <laughs> no, I, I don't, I don't do that. Man. We were too nice there. I mean, this is the Super Bowl NFC defending champs. They right, came out right, right, right. week one when they're supposed, you know, 90% of the country was picking them. So it felt a lot like last year, week one against Tampa Bay. It was like, you just have to find a way to win that game when things aren't going well. And you are the team that, you know, or you want to be the team that you feel like you are. That That's a game where it's just like, okay, uh, you just got to win. You just got to win, and, and, and they did. I mean, two of eleven on to like going back to that. Two of eleven on third down. That is that is abysmal. Like it, it. I mean, obviously you could go zero for eleven, but it really doesn't get any worse than that. And, and in contrast, the Cardinals were seven for fourteen, which is respectable. Like if you're if you're you know converting half your thirds down third downs, you're doing pretty well. And when you look at something like that, the fact that the Cardinals had over 400 total yards, they converted half their thirds downs. It's, it's almost fortunate that they didn't put more points up on the 49ers. You know, there was some, there was a turnover in there that helped them out, but it was just, you know, like that's all it really comes down to. And, and to go back to what um, Crocker said about Raheem, like he didn't have like his huge day, but again, you're looking at a team that has, no legitimate threat along the perimeter. They can basically leave two guys in coverage or whoever many receivers you got out there. You, you know, you could even play them in zone and squeeze even more guys into the box. So every time Raheem Mostert was running the ball, there was just a wave of of Cardinals defenders basically waiting for him to hit that line of scrimmage. So, I mean, it, he, for the fact that he was able, even able to get what he did uh, impressed me a little bit. You know, and another person I want to make sure we mention – from the backfield that, I mean, it didn't have an incredible day, but Jarek McKinnon made his debut for the 49ers today. He, it's weird to say that because he's been on the team for two years, but obviously right right at the end of training camp, um, two off seasons ago, he tore his ACL and then and it had some complications. So he hasn't been able to get on the field, but he averaged eight yards of carry. He only carried it three times, but he averaged eight yards of carry. And then he, uh, he caught that, that, touchdown pass there at the end of the game to, to pull the Niners ahead. He did catch three passes for 20 yards in that touchdown. And, and I, and I have a feeling that's like just the beginning of what the 49ers would like to do with Jarek McKinnon, you know, like you could tell by how much money Shanahan gave him when they first signed him kind of the role they had envisioned for him. And, and, you know, that's, I mean, something noteworthy for him to get his first snaps with the 49ers, get in the end zone, you know, I, I'm looking forward to seeing where they go with him. But I mean, again, get him involved in the passing game, Rob. That was the whole big thing when he first signed here was, oh, Kyle's going to use him as a Swiss Army knife. I think what his touchdown was a receiving touchdown there. So I would love to see him more involved. And I, I think we're doing the right thing, acknowledging some of the positives. I do want to acknowledge another thing too: is the Cardinals are just better. They're a good team defensively now. They're, they exposed Isaiah Simmons a little bit, but he's going to be good for them. Oh, yeah. Baker made some plays. They're fast, physical. 
Um, I was watching the Seahawks today, Croc, Jamal Adams, fast, physical, all over the field. So uh, we'll have to see what the Rams do tonight. We're recording right now as that game's getting started. But uh, I don't know if the 49ers have upgraded their roster in a significant way this year. We just we're not going to be able to tell this early in the season who is going to be that breakout player. Can some of these guys maintain as great as they played last year? You know, we saw it early already with Jamal Adams and I, the Cardinals are a lot better defensively than they have been in previous seasons, which they're going to be seven and nine, eight and eight, nine and seven this year. It's this division got tougher. And today was a glimpse, even though it was ugly, that it, it's going to be a challenge this year getting 10 wins. Well, the thing I think with the 49ers, you know, after losing this first game, the, the, you got to just win the next two and two and one it looks a lot better than anything else that can, you know, happen from, from this point right here. So you, you just got to go and handle business in New York and beat teams that you're supposed to beat. And that was my thing last year is like, okay, if we are who we're supposed to be, you got to beat Tampa Bay. And they did. Okay. You got to beat the Bengals. And they did. I think this season now, okay, you lost to the Cardinals. That's a tough one, especially right now. Cause I'm watching the Rams play the Cowboys right now. And, Rams already scored a touchdown, stopped the Cowboys, and now they're driving again about to score. So, uh, you know, you don't want to fall behind in in the division. So win the next two games, be sitting at two and one, and then go from there. You got you just gotta continue to handle business. And then from that point, you probably get Debo Samuel back, have IU back. And I think you start to see a little bit more explosiveness with the offense. Man, I'm just sitting here looking at DeAndre Hopkins stat line. The guy caught 14 passes on 16 targets for 151 yards and what could have easily been a touchdown, but his knee hit right before the goal line and and, and then they, they ran it in or whatever they did on the very next play. So, I mean, this one's kind of directed more towards you, Crocker. What, like, where did, where did that, obviously DeAndre Hopkins, I've always thought he was a top two or three receiver in the league. Sometimes I felt like he's the absolute best the league has to offer. I mean, what could they, what did they do wrong? What could they have done different? What did you see from your perspective on how they handled or didn't handle DeAndre? I I think two things jumped out to me. One, obviously, like I said before, I felt like they definitely could have challenged him more. You got to have somebody that's going to get in there and get in his face and get physical with him at the line of scrimmage. And obviously the 49ers didn't do that. The other thing was I thought they did a poor job of tackling him. And that was something that stood out a few times where he had some nice run-after-catch opportunities. So, yeah, a little too soft and definitely some poor tackling. And Cardinals just said, I mean, if you're going to give us these 10-yard comebacks, 12-yard comebacks, not covering him at all going over the middle, we're just going to keep going to him. And and I salute them for that. It's nice to have a receiver you can just run your whole game plan around. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean – to me, I mean, obviously, there's got to be a focus for stopping Kyler Murray, but that's always going to be a challenge. If there was one person on offense that you would want to stop, I mean, maybe their focus was the run game. They didn't really stop that much either. But if there was one person you wanted to contain in that whole offense, it would be DeAndre Hopkins and then see what happens from there. And, and they just couldn't do that. So, you know, obviously, from my point of view, I'm not a schematic guy on defense. I don't know what they did and what they could do differently. But anytime in a guy's first game in that offense, because obviously he was just traded in the offseason, I mean, for for him to dominate like that, that's that's a statement. And, you know, and and DeAndre Hopkins isn't going anywhere for a while. 
All right, Rob, you want me to be positive? I will give you my one positive from the game. Let's do it. Kerry Hyder Jr., number 92. I hadn't heard of him much as someone who is not reading every morsel of information, but the dude was moving around in a way where I was like, is that Javon Kinlaw? Who is that out there? Um, I thought that he has a future as a rotational player there in the middle uh, at D-line. So going back and looking at some of the highlights here, he kind of flashed a little bit on tape in a week one where I wasn't expecting that. He might have been the 49ers' most disruptive player on at least along the defensive line, not named Nick Bosa. Nick, like Croc said earlier, Nick Bosa still found a way to be everywhere. And you can tell they were trying to avoid him or work away with from him or chip him, but he still find a way found a way to get involved constantly. Um, but yeah, Hyder might have been the, the 49ers' next most impactful defender along the defensive line after Bosa, which I mean says something about a, a guy that they just kind of signed as a veteran to be like a rotational guy. So, I mean, man, I'm just, I mean, you scroll through the way this, this game and you kind of, you kind of think about it, the way it all unfolded. There was still just so many missed opportunities for the 49ers. And, and maybe that's not going to, going to console them at all. From what I'm reading about all the post game press conferences, it seems like the 49ers are very um, grounded about the loss, meaning they're not overreacting. They're not super upset about it. They're not, you know, there's, there's nobody who's got tears in their eyes or anything like that. Obviously it's just week one, but it sounds like everybody's pretty much accepting responsibility for the fact that this was, again, you look at Kyler Murray's stats and you look at DeAndre Hopkins stats. Yes. Those guys dominated, but it still feels self-inflicted. And that's kind of the way they went about it in their press conferences. Like, look, we know we're great, but this, and this, but to us, like this was not us and we got to figure it out. I was reading Mayoko's Twitter. I guess Richard Sherman said there was a, yeah, the blown coverage on DeAndre Hopkins, 33 yard touchdown. There just, there was no one there. Um, I don't know if they're not going to blame the crowd noise or anything like that, but there's going to be some weird communication issues. I think the first few weeks here, as Croc has alluded to, the better teams are going to be able to communicate and and figure this out. But there hasn't been the live reps. There's just been um, a weird blanket over the whole season where where some guys are a little stuck in the mud right now um, across the league, and I, I, you know communication issues really should not be happening for the defending Super Bowl champions on defense. You're returning most of your starters there. So, hey, mistakes are going to happen. You know, last year this team went 13-3, and three, so they were able to overcome mistakes, and that was the big difference. And they're just going to have to figure that out, Rob, uh, because the self-inflicted stuff is going to continue to happen. Last year the 49ers were just able to make huge plays all the time instead whether it was sacks, whether it was interceptions, whether it was Jimmy G coming up big on third down. He was so money on third down last year. Once they figure out third down, I think everything will be rolling. Well, just to put everybody's mind at ease, um, there was a moment, probably the scariest moment of the game for 49ers fans, players, and coaches alike. But um, Jimmy Garoppolo threw a pass straight out to George Kittle, who was lined up out wide. Um, and it was a little overthrown. It was a little high. Kittle had to jump up to get it, but it's not necessarily something that's out of the ordinary by any stretch. Um, and Kendrick Bourne at the same time, who was lined up right next to Kittle, 
uh, had to come forward and block the, the defensive backs so that George Kittle could catch the ball and then run upfield. Well, he completely whiffed on his block. And as Kittle was in the air catching the ball, the defender was already on him and was tackling him. And it was a perfectly normal tackle. There was nothing dirty about it. His head was basically right into Kittle's hips and he was tackling him. But the way Kittle's leg came down, um, his cleats basically stuck into the turf and his leg got caught underneath the defender and hyperextended a little bit. And Kittle was in immediate pain, but you and it was what was awesome. And you can it just gives you another little small window into the type of guy George Kittle is. He he like you could tell he probably let out a little bit of a a grunt of pain and then immediately popped up and got off the field. Like you know, it was just that he's just such a hard nosed guy that you know he immediately popped. Even if it could have been a lot worse injury, um, it's still I still feel like he would have done the same thing. He just pops up. Walks off the field. The team medical staff came to him on the bench a little bit. I'm assuming he told them they was fine. They went away. And he, he walked off the field a little bit uh, early as halftime came, um, obviously, to just get evaluated. But he ended up being okay. But that was probably, you know, even despite all the mistakes and, and the, uh, the ugly plays, um, that was the scariest moment of the game. You know, when the idea that that in the first game of the season, in the first half, the 49ers could, could lose – you know, oh, yeah, that would be basically like Jimmy G tearing his ACL week three. I don't think the season would be over, over, but, the yeah, that clouded dread. Uh, I mentioned it earlier in the podcast. That was as much Kendrick Bourne's fault as Jimmy Garoppolo. If you go back and watch that, bubble screen was called. Kendrick Bourne completely missed the block. Kittle was going to get blown up if the throw was on target or if it was high. The high made it, you know, a little bit more dangerous, but – um, yeah, thank God he didn't get hurt. They, How can they figure out how to get him going in the red zone? They get down in the red zone, they, they can't figure out how to get him more touchdowns. He should be having 15 touchdowns every year. So that's the one thing Kyle really needs to solve, George Kittle in the red zone. Well, I'll ask you this, Crocker, because we've had this, this conversation a couple times. Do you think the 49ers not getting Kittle involved in the red zone has more to do with Kyle Shanahan's place, play calling or with, with Kittle's skill set compared to somebody like Travis Kelsey. Well well yeah, Kittle Kittle he's not the most natural receiver. I think he definitely has gotten a lot better and taken some really good strides to move towards that. I know obviously he puts up, you know, amazing uh yards throughout the season. A lot of them are really good yards after catch. Now he is a good route runner, but for whatever reason in that condensed part of the field, it seems like he definitely has taken I don't want to say taking a step backwards, but you could tell he's not as natural as maybe uh, uh, Travis Kelsey, you know, like you mentioned. So that's the one big thing I've noticed. I've seen Grant Cohn talk about that a lot as well, where it's just like, you know, he's just not that type of guy. He's not a, you know, a great uh, contested catch guy, right? I mean, have you seen the 49ers just, hey, we're just going to line up and throw a fade from the five-yard line to our 6 5 I would like to see it more, though. I would like to see it. There's been enough of the bubble screens at the 10 yard line. There's, there's so many draw just, plays. I don't think they, I think, I don't think they just think he's that guy. Like, I, I like to fail and try because they're failing at everything else. Really. Might <laughs> <in the rest. laughs> as well, why does, why does well line, have, line, line every trips to the left, George Kittle, the right by himself and throw it up, please. I would love have, to see that. They, times. They've done it. Not so much. Oh, we're just going to split him out wide. They've done some things where they have given him that opportunity, like over the middle where it was just him and a guy kind of on his back and gave him opportunities to make those type of catches, and he just never did. The only time he did was uh, when Jimmy was kind of like scrambling, and he threw it, I want to say, toward, uh, against the Rams last year. He kind of threw it 
to like the goal line and he kind of caught it because the defense was on his back. But as far as like throwing it up, every opportunity I've seen George Kittle have of those, he he hasn't he's never come down with the ball. Now I haven't seen it a lot. I think they kind of diagnosed between maybe the games, the opportunities he has had, and maybe something they're seeing in practice that he's just not really that guy, at least right now. My boy Sam Houston is hilarious. He he tweeted Grant Cohn is Kyle Shanahan on the on the hot seat. <laughs> There's going to be so many dumb reactions. I my prediction, guys, is they're going to lose one of these games to the Jets or the Giants and start one and two. And there is going to be a little bit of an eerie. We've got to dig ourselves out of this hole. And then I think Debo Samuel is going to come back. The offense is going to get ignited. But I would get ready for a weird September, fellas. It's been a weird 2020. And I think this team's going to be playing from behind this year is my early prediction. I don't know if I'm buying that one. I don't, I, <laughs> yeah. I'm with you, Rob. I, I watched the Jets today. They were, they were bad, bad. I mean, bad. Like, they better stay on Next week, Croc, this team is in trouble. <laughs> yeah, no, 100%. I'll hit the panic button then, and I never panic. <laughs> Um, are they staying in New York, Rob? Are they are they going to stay on the East Coast with the back? Yeah, I can't remember the exact location, but they are staying on the East Coast for those two games. They're both Sunday morning games, um, which obviously by the 49ers uh, clock is not is not that big of a deal um, because of the time difference there. But, you know, it's it, it's and they, they'll be over there. I don't know. I just to me. To me, the Arizona loss, this loss feels like what losing a little. I mean, I've I have way more respect for Arizona's team than I do either either the New York teams. But this loss to the Arizona Cardinals feels like that wake up loss that losing to New York Jets or the New York Giants would feel like in in any other situation. So I I just feel like if the 49ers are who we think they are which, uh, you know, despite a bad game, I still think everybody's in agreements that, that they are. They're still a dominant team. Those are the types of games you come out and you you put up like 50, you know. And, and I'm not saying they're going to do that because, you know, the New York's defense is, is respectable. and But the, the team was, was, like Kroger said, was bad. So to me, these are, these are games where the 49ers are going to get out their frustrations of what just happened. And the 49ers have been pretty decent on the road, especially last season. So I feel like they'll be okay in those games. But if this is the easiest three games on the schedule, really, right? Right, right. That's the thing, though, is if if for some reason those games aren't the wins, even if they're still wins and they're like competitive wins, which a win's a win, you know, you want it, you, you get that W, that's fine. But – you know, maybe this is maybe these next two games, even though they're against easy opponents, are are games where we learn a little bit more about what these 49ers are all about. Because I to me, the loss to the Cardinals, it sucks. Obviously, that's not the result they wanted, but it wasn't surprising considering how the games went last season. I mean, the Cardinals came on late last season. They beat the Seahawks. You know what I mean? The Cardinals were 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 establishing themselves well before today's game. So, you know, a loss to them doesn't sting how I think a lot of people think it does. But losing to the Jets or losing to the Giants, even if you're in away games, now that's, <laughs> that's another story. Yeah, because you are going to have the Saints and the Packers in November and the Cowboys in December. So it, these are the games you need to kind of eke out, even if you're playing shitty. 
and they just didn't today. Man, if Jimmy made that throw against or on Kendrick, everything would be fine right now. We would be like, that's those are good teams. They play through it. I, I think this team is realistically closer to 10 and 6 than 13 and 3 this year. And fans need to acknowledge that um, until Debo and Ayuk are in the lineup making plays. Last year, the receivers were freaking phenomenal. Emmanuel Sanders was taking things to the house. Like it was, it was a playmaking bonanza and they're not there yet. And everyone's got to realize Jimmy can't do this by himself. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I mean, Jimmy had a bad game, but again, like you're missing wide receiver one and wide receiver two, you know, and, and that there's not a team in the NFL that can take that kind of a hit and it not be clearly obvious in the result. You know, I'm not saying that either Debo or Ayuk are genuine wide receiver one DeAndre Hopkins types, but you're talking about your best two players at that position, um, and and you don't just lose those and there not be some, you know, consequences to it. So I don't think this is a game worth overreacting to, but I do think it's a nice game to, to, to bring the 49ers back down to reality and whatever that reality was, I mean, you can't be that high on yourself coming off a Super Bowl loss like the one that they had. But in the, at the same token, you know, 2020 is here and it's punching you in the face again. It, it's it's a it'll be an interesting window where we get to see how the 49ers respond to a little bit of adversity early, as opposed to last year where they went on what a nine and was it eight a nine and zero stretch? Eight no. Yeah. It was a fair last year. Last year I was like, are they winning every game? Are they really going to go sixteen and zero? And now. It's not going to be like that every year. You realize how special those years are. This is one game. Maybe they will rip off you know, a bunch of wins in a row. But I, I think the league is going to be closer and more 8-8. Eight and eight. A lot of teams this year are going to take a step back. It's a weird freaking year. Everyone is a little bit off. And you're, you're going to have like a random MVP. You're going to have like a random team go 14-2. and two. And, you know, you randomly might have the 49ers take a little bit of a step back and they're going to have to play through some stuff. But, fellas, this is awesome to be talking football. It did feel normal today to watch the NFL. As crazy as everything has been, the fires in California are nuts. It was pretty nice to just have week one today. I'm not going to lie. Yep, I agree. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we obviously, everybody watching knows that stuff still isn't normal, but during the moments when you just get to watch some football, even if they aren't fans in the stadium, like at least things can be normal in those moments, you know, whether it's the the thrill of a win or the, the disappointment of a, of a loss. I mean, at least we got to watch some football today. I got to put on NFL red zone and just like lean Thank back God. and be like, Oh, you know, it was, Thank it, was God. it was amazing. Anyway, shout out, shout out to indeed. Appreciate you guys. Crock, are you in uh, Arkansas? You still yeah. in Arkansas? Yeah, I'm in Arkansas. Love it, bro. Um, all right, fellas. Well, let's do this every Sunday. I think the listeners will enjoy it. Rob's going to be creating more content. We're really going to try and up the game here as this is one of the most interesting teams in the in the league. doesn't matter yeah. if they're winning or losing. They have a lot to talk about. There's just so many characters, and, yeah, they're trying to defend their crown. I feel like, I feel like that's a good – moment to mention the fact that uh, behind the scenes, I've been talking with Kevin. I've been talking with Croc and, and some of the other Blue Wire guys. Striking Gold is about to blow up. Um, this is our first episode, essentially, of the season. Um, but starting today, we are the plan is at least four episodes a week for you guys. So 
if if it wasn't already, Striking Gold's about to become your favorite, and if not your favorite, uh, at least the most active 49ers podcast, one of the most active podcasts um, in the whole sphere of 49ers. So me and Crocker, we've already talked about it. We're going to be on here a lot more often. Kevin's going to be jumping on every week. So if you're if you're listening right now and you're, you know, obviously one of the uh, the striking gold faithful, as I guess I could call it, uh, get excited because we're not going to, we'll either be back on here tomorrow um, or Tuesday. And we're going to have before, essentially before every game, we're going to have four pods for you guys. That's the plan for every week. So share um, new, yeah, share, you know, share with a friend who probably hasn't listened before. Maybe they just got into podcast. Um, yeah. I think Rob, word. Rob and Croc have some of the best Twitter feeds in the game. I, as I, we mentioned at the top, I'm running this business now. I'm literally drowning. I'm about to hang up, <laughs> go like do HR paperwork. But, drowning in Benjamins, maybe. Yeah, ho- hopefully soon. But appreciate the listeners, guys. I guess we'll be back this week with more coverage. Croc, you good, bro? Yeah, I'm good, man. All right. I just want to check in on you. Yeah, Croc, can you say goodbye to the listeners? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> hey, yeah, yeah. Talk he knows when to, no, no, hold on, hold on. He knows when to say goodbye. He knows when yeah. to say goodbye. Hey, and I will say this. Don't overreact to like the receiver position situation. Guys will come back. The guys that they count on, they'll be back. Like it's not time to like panic and trade for people a guy or anything people. like that. Yeah, people are already trades already. Everyone's freaking the fuck out. Everyone chill. Yeah, freaking out. <laughs> like, calm down. Calm down. I get it. It's not pretty without them, but you you know, you'll have your two guys back. And then from there. Guys will go back to their normal positions, like Bourne being the fourth or fifth option, and, you know, he will do well in that spot. You'll see the offense click a little bit more. I wouldn't worry about trying to acquire a receiver right now. Now, if we're still having these same issues at week seven, then, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about yep. the trade. Hey, I, I'm used to being negative on this podcast. I started <laughs> in 16. If it has to, it has to, but hopefully not. <laughs> Well, that's all right, man. We're all here together, and we all offer our own little uh, little slice of pie. I think I'm an eternal optimist for the most part, but there's there's a ton of place for that. But anyways. More of that, for real. Right. Well, <laughs> I try my best, man. Who's my boy, 92? Hyder Jr. is my boy. So <laughs> he had a positive note. He was great today. Right. Well, I appreciate, as I always end all of our episodes, I appreciate everybody who's listening right now that has tolerated our opinions and our takes for almost an entire hour. Uh, you guys are what make this engine go. You you know, our striking gold listeners are the only reason there's a striking gold to begin with. Um, so I appreciate every single one of you guys. Uh, you can hit us up on Twitter. Let us know you listen to the episode. Let us know your thoughts. If you are freaking out, you can you can hit us up and we'll, we'll walk you through it. Um, and it's it's just a matter. It's just week one. You got a lot of, a lot of time left. So I pre again, I appreciate everybody out there listening. Um, you guys are, are the reason we're here. And, uh, but for another week, this is striking gold signing out. Peace. Peace. All right. We're not out of here yet. We've got one more word from bet online. The wait's over football's back. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at bet online. Bet Online's going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anything else. You can get in on their season opening businesses today and start off wagering on wins, divisions, championship futures all day, every day. 
Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline is your online sportsbook expert. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.